Section 27 of Poems of American History, the Colonial Era. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Chris Pyle. Poems of American History, the Colonial Era, Chapter 7, King Philip's War and the Witchcraft Delusion, Part 2. On April 21st, an attack was made on Sudbury. A portion of the town was burned, and a relief party of over fifty, which hurried up, was lured into an ambush and all but annihilated. The Indians in this battle were bolder than they had ever been before, and their strategy was unusually effective. The Sudbury Fight, April 21st, 1676 Ye sons of Massachusetts, all who love that honored name, ye children of New England, holding dear your father's fame, here tell of Sudbury's battle through a day of death and flame. The painted Wampanoags, Philip's hateful warriors, creep upon the town at springtide while the skies deny us rain. We see their shadows lurking in the forest whispering deep, and speed the sorry tidings past dry field and rustling lane. Come hastily or never when the wild beasts lust for gore, and send your best and bravest if you wish to see us more. The commonwealth is quiet now, and peace her measure fills, content in homes and farmsteads, busy marts and buzzing mills, from the Atlantic's roaring to the tranquil Berkshire hills. And through that day our fathers, speaking low their breathless words, their wives and babes in safety, toil to save their little all. They fetch their slender food stores, drive indoors their scanty herds, they clean the bell-mouthed musket, melt the lead, and mold the ball. Please, God, they'll keep their battle till their countrymen shall haste with succor from the eastward, iron-hearted, flinty-faced. A hundred dragging twelve months ere the welcome joy-bells ring the dawn of independence did King Philip's devils spring through April on the little spot like wolves a-ravening. The morning lifts in fury as they come with torch in hand and howl about the houses in the shrunken frontier town. Our garrisons hold steady, while the flames by breezes fanned, Disclose the painted demons, fierce and cunning, lithe and brown. At every loophole firing, women close at hand to load, The children bringing bullets, thus the Sudbury men abode. By night through generations have the eager children come, Beside their grandsires settle, listening to the droning hum Of this old tale, with backward glances, open-mouthed and dumb. The burning hours stretch slowly, then a welcome sight appears, along the tawny upland where stout Haines keeps faithful guard. From Watertown speeds Mason, young in everything but years. Our men rush down to meet him. Then together, swift and hard, they force the Indians backward to the Muscatoquid side, and slaying, ever slaying, drive them over the reddened tide. There stand stout Haines and Mason by the bridge upon the flood, in vain the braves attack them, thick as saplings in the wood. Praise God for men so valiant who have such a foe withstood. But Green Hill looks with anguish down upon the painted horde, their stealthy ambush keeping as the conquered men drew near, to dart with hideous noises as they reached the lower ford, a thousand gainst a dozen, but their every life costs dear, as sinking neath such numbers one by one our neighbors fail. One sole survivor in his blood brings on the dreadful tale. Through sun and evening shadow, through the night till weary morn, speeds Wadsworth with his soldiers, forth from Boston, spent and worn. And Brocklebank at Marlborough joins that little hope forlorn. 
They hear the musket snap afar, they hear the savage whoop, all weariness forgotten, on they hasten in relief. They see the braves before them, with a cheer the little group bends down and charges forward. From above the cunning chief his wildcat eyes dilating sees his bushes bloom with fire. The tree trunks at his bidding blaze with fiendish lust and ire. A thousand warriors lurk there, and a thousand warriors shout, exulting, aiming, flaming, happy in our coming rout. But Wadsworth never pauses, every musket ringing out. He gains the lifting hillside, and his six score win their way, defiant through the coppice till upon the summit placed, with every bullet counting, there they load and aim and slay against all comers warring, iron-hearted, flinty-faced. Hold Philip as for scorning, drive him down the blood-stained slope, and stand there firm and dauntless, steadfast in their faith and hope. With Mason at the river, Wadsworth staunch upon the hill, the certain reinforcements and black night the foe to chill, an hour or less, and hideous death might have been baffled still. But in that droughty woodland Philip fires the leaves and grass, the flames dance up the hillside, in their rear less savage foes. No courage can avail us, down the slope the English pass. A day in flame beginning lights with hell its awful close. As swifter, louder, fiercer, over the crest the reek runs past, and headlong hurls bold Wadsworth, conquered by the cruel blast. Ye men of Massachusetts, weep the awful slaughter there. The panther heart of Philip drives the English to despair. A scalping knife and tomahawk gleam in the affrighted glare. There Wadsworth yields his spirit. Brocklebank must meet his doom. Within the stone mill's shelter fights the remnant of their force. When swift upon the foemen, rushing through the gathering gloom, cheer Cowell's men from Brookfield, gallant Prentice with his horse, and Mason from the river, and Haynes join in the fight, till Philip's host is routed, hurled on shrieking through the night. Defeated, cursing, weeping, flees King Philip to his den, our speedy vengeance glutted on the flower of his men. In pomp and pride the Wampanoags ne'er shall march again. We mourn our stricken captains, but not vainly did they fall. The king of Pocanoket has received their stern command. Their lives were laid down gladly at their country's trumpet call. And on their savage foemen have they set the heavier hand. Against our day-long valor was the red man's fortune spent. That one day at Sudbury has saved a continent. Engraves adown the hemisphere, engraves across the seas. The sons of Massachusetts sleep, as here beneath her trees. Nor Brocklebank nor Wadsworth is the first or last of these. O oh, blue hills of New England, slanting to the morning beams, Where suns and clouds of April have their balmy power sped. O oh, greening woods and meadows, pleasant ponds and babbling streams, And clematis soft-blooming, where war once his banners led. How hungers many an exile for that homeland far away, And all the happy dreaming of a bygone April day. Wherever speaks New England, wheresoever spreads her shade, We praise our father's valor, and our father's prayer is said, That fearing God's wrath only, firm may stand the state they made. Wallace Rice The victory at Sudbury was the last considerable success the Indians gained in the war. Jealousies broke out among them. Many deserted to the whites, and the final blow was struck when, at daybreak of August 12, 1676, Captain Church surprised Philip's camp at Mount Hope, and Philip himself was shot by an Indian while trying to escape. His head was cut off, sent to Plymouth, and fixed upon a pole where it remained for twenty years. His wife and son, a boy of nine, were taken prisoners and sold into slavery. With them, the race of Massasoit, 
that true and tried friend of the early settlers, vanishes from the pages of history. King Philip's Last Stand, August 12, 1676. T'was Captain Church, Biscard and Brown, and armed cap a pie, came ambling into Plymouth Town, and from far riding up and down a weary man was he. Now where is my good wife, he quoth, before the goodmen all, and they replied, What of thine oath? And he looked at them, lorn and loath, as he were like to fall. What of thine oath to him, they cried, and wilt thou let him slip, who harrieth fair New England side, till every path is slaughter died, the murderous King Philip? His cheek went flush and swelled his girth, upon him be God's ban. His voice ran loud in grisly mirth, now who with me will run to earth, this bloody Indian? Then I, and I, the lusty peal, made thrill the Plymouth air, and forth with him for woe or weal, their hands a-grip on musket steel, hide many a godly pair. They sped them through the summer-land, by ferry and by ford, until they saw before them stand a red man of that cursed band, his features ochre-scored. Would the pale faces find, he said, where lurks their fiercest foe? Now by the spirit of the dead, my brother, whose heart's blood he shed, follow, and they shall know. This end in brave they followed him, and caution crawled and crept, till in a marish deep and dim they came to where the sachem grim in leafy hiding slept. The quiet August morns at bud, King Philip woes the day, and woe that one of thine own blood, now that ill fortune roars to flood, should be the man to slay. Around him spread a girdling line, the fatal snare was laid, and when down aisles of birch and pine they saw the first slant sun-rays shine, they sprang their ambuscade. And did he slink, or did he shrink from that relentless ring? Nay, not a coward did he sink, but leaped across death's darkling brink, a savage yet a king. Then unto him, whose bolt of lead had struck King Philip down, they gave the sachem's hand and head. Then back they marched with triumph tread to joyful Plymouth town. On Philip's name a bloody blot the white man's writ has thrown, the ruthless raid, the inhuman plot, and yet what one of us would not do battle for his own? Clinton Scholard End of section number 27